finally, I'm back in the United States and feeling pretty hopeless from a footballing standpoint. But on the other hand, I'm incredibly grateful from a personal standpoint. Chelsea had to put on the most pathetic second-half display of football I have ever seen. Well, since the Watford game, or the United game, or the City game, or the fucking Bournemouth match, or any of the Arsenal matches, <laughs> am I the only one sensing a recurring theme here, Sam? Let me answer that for you. No, I'm not. This past week was the first time I have ever gone to England to watch a football match, let alone a Chelsea match, and the frustration, the disappointment, the embarrassment... And the sheer disgust is not only something that I felt on Sunday, but something that everyone else, both at the bridge and watching on television, felt as well. This week, we'll be discussing the pathetic display during the Spurs match, marked by an even more tragic news of the passing of uh, Ray Wilkins. May his memory be eternal within the footballing community as well as his own personal familial community as well. Um, On a lighter note, We'll also discuss our prediction for, predictions for the West Ham match coming up at the weekend, as well as my first experience at Stamford Bridge. Welcome to the Romans Empire podcast, where we usually talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But on this occasion, we actually sh- <laughs> shit on Chelsea in full force. A theme that has been evident way too often this campaign, Sam. How you doing, buddy? So we talk shit about Chelsea and everyone else. Uh, uh, that, that's that's the theme we're going on for today. I think I think that's the new theme that 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 our show should have because no. honestly, it just seems like every week we've been copping out and saying, "Well, this week we're going to talk shit about Chelsea." Well, this week we're going to talk shit about Chelsea, but it just kind of seems like the last five months of my life have consisted about talking shit about Chelsea. It's going to be like that for the rest of the season, Zach, just just preparing you. Um, well, well, then we have to talk shit about them at least eight more times before <laughs> we we give our season wrap-up. Do, really right? do we really have 11, I mean, eight more? Um, I don't know if I can last that long, Zach. Uh, let, me, let me give you another number, though, Zach. 11. 11. Do you, 11. Do you, do you know what this number represents? I do, do not. It's the amount of points we have in all of 2018, and it's fucking April, and we have 11 <laughs> points. It's April, I, Zach. If you told me in December, when we were probably playing, you know, our best, the best soccer we were playing this season, that we'd have 11 points through April, I'd probably backhand you for saying something so stupid. But now every time I look at the table, honestly, I feel like backhanding myself for being so, you know, so foolish for thinking that we could turn this season around. And, you know, like, honestly, at that time... I thought we had a really good chance of like getting second on the table. Now I'll just be stoked if we fucking make the Europa League. And and honestly, even this, this just as a fan this past weekend, I feel like this was just that was like the final stake in my heart as far as having confidence in my squad. Like everything's a complete mess. I don't even expect to get past Southampton in the FA Cup semis. And to be honest, I don't even I don't even want to. I've already had my hopes, you know, crushed enough this season that like losing to either Man United or Tottenham in the finals will like I think like literally will kill me. Like literally it would it will kill me. Like, you know, two of my least favorite teams growing up, I I, I don't know what to do anymore, man. I mean and that 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 there's my rant to start off the show. Wow. What what do you think? What do you think of that? That's wow. just, that's how I felt, dude. I mean I, I had That was that was fucking magical, my friend. That was beautiful. You know, I I, I, I try to keep like a level head. And well, to be fair, you do. Usually I'm the one that like shits the bed. But, but I can only take so much as I, I, I really can take only take so much. And, you know, notice how I said, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't give shit to the team. I just I, I've just lost hope, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to the dark side to the way I've been feeling <laughs> since uh, since the new year. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, since we lost the West Ham. Interestingly enough, who's actually our next opponent? Um, but um, yeah, dude, th- th- this is good. This is good. This I'm is le- I'm learning from this you, is you're good, an you're good angry. Teacher. This is an angry and inspired song. Like I'm hoping that you channel this anger into fucking awesome podcasting. Yeah, honestly. Uh, speaking of that, let's just get this this fucking match. Let's get into it so we can get over it. Uh, Chelsea one, Spurs three. What a great start to April Fool's Day because the joke of the day was this game's result. Uh, <laughs> Zach, 
from your perspective, you know, since you're at the match, what did you notice in our performance? Where, where did it all go wrong? Oh, man, where do I even start? Look, this is my first time ever going to a Chelsea match, and I'm not going to lie to you, going into the actual match, I was pretty optimistic. I'm thinking to myself, fuck yeah, this is the best opportunity to fuck Tottenham over so they could spurs up the rest of their season like they normally do. And we could prove to everybody that we're not a complete – that we're not complete shit basically. Well, um, I was proven wrong and it turns out that we're the spurs of last year and effectively they don't fall apart anymore. And they persevere, and I think that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, and and that's coming from somebody that hates Tottenham more than anybody else in the world. Um, but as cliche as it is, seeing them in person, you really realize how much this team is lacking grit and heart and and just simple, simple, the simple concept of perseverance. I've always imagined my first experience at the bridge to be magical and and this was just completely far from it in every sense of the word. I actually I actually watched a match with Dan Silver. Um for those of you that don't know, he, he he's a he's on the Chelsea fan cast. He, he's he's a regular. Um and and we at, me and my girlfriend actually sat next to him at the game. And it's fair to say that we were both disgusted in not only the performance but the type of performance in terms of effort and 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 basically the way the team did not give a single fuck about being embarrassed um, by their bitter rivals. So for me, it, it all resonates with the manager. I mean, we, we have title-winning players on that team. So I'm, we have Dave, Hazard, Willian, Alonso, Conte, Cesc Fabregas, Victor Moses. And we put forth an effort like that. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, sorry, I took you off, but it's kind of, I mean, putting Victor Moses in that list, I don't know if uh, he belongs with the rest, but I mean, if you if you're putting the 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 criteria as winning a title, yeah, I guess I guess he's he's yeah. Allowed. I mean, <laughs> that that that's exactly what I'm doing. These are these are proven Premier League title winning players, and you can't argue against that. And for me, it comes down to Antonio Conte and how he seems to perpetuate this dark cloud of negativity both within the press. That resonates all the way down to the players as well, and which is so not like Antonio Conte of the past, not at all. Well, I mean, if you're looking at it in perspective, I mean, this is exactly how he got pushed out at Juve, right? He complained about not he complained about his squad and how the players weren't good enough, and how he's done all of he all he could with the team, and how the club wasn't buying the players that he wanted, and eventually Juve was happy to say, "See you later." Hmm. We we have another we have another great coach lined up in in Massimiliano Allegri and, and and look where they are right now. I mean, obviously Cristiano just took a fat steaming shit on them, but oh yeah, they're a club that has enjoyed success since Antonio Conte left. I'd rather I'd rather it's, have I'd rather have be in the position with Cristiano taking a hot steaming shit on me than than where because, I'm at right now exactly, with Chelsea. Exactly, <laughs> because those are things that you can't control. Yeah. And right now, yeah. we could have controlled our destiny. We could have not lost to Watford. We could have not gotten, sma- gotten smacked by Bournemouth. Mm. We could have beat Arsenal. We could have beat West Ham. We could have beat Burnley in the beginning of the season. Look, it's as simple as this. We have regressed as a football club from top all the way down to the bottom. We are not signing the players we should be. Roman doesn't have his hands as firmly as he did on the club when 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 Mourinho was in charge and when Ancelotti was in charge. We still don't have a technical director. We fired Michael Amanalo, what was it, four or five months ago, and we still haven't brought anyone else in. We have four chairmen who are on the board who have no idea what the fuck they're doing and don't have a footballing bone in their body. We have a first-team squad that either doesn't want to be there or is not good enough to be there. We have a manager that has completely lost the plot, and we have a most amazing youth system in the country, arguably one of the best in Europe, Mm -hmm. and we somehow fail to integrate them into our squad on a regular basis. There is not one positive thing going on in Chelsea Football Club right now, and I might sound pessimistic, and yeah, I might get a lot of shit for it, 
But to be completely honest, I am sick and fucking tired of it, of of everybody and everything that has to do with Chelsea Football Club. With that being said, I did sit at the West Lower um, next to Dan Silver at the match this past weekend, and I did keep an eye on Antonio Conte um, for most of the match. I had the perfect view of the, the the perfect view of him actually. I was sitting right about half field. Um, the man had zero energy, son. And you see it on TV, and you analyze it on TV, and you say like, okay, yeah, you can't hear him screaming anymore through the microphones. You can't. You you don't see him, you know, pointing out and, and calling every single pass and kicking every single ball on the pitch. Some I did not even see the man blink this past weekend. He looked like a dead man walking, like someone that didn't want to be there, like someone that was absolutely miserable that couldn't wait for the season to end. Even after Murata scored the opener, there was no sense that Conte genuinely wanted to win the match. There was no uptick in the enthusiasm. There was nothing. And that's what I have a problem with. You cannot be a professional in any profession and not give a shit and expect to have some level of success. I'm sorry. It just does not work that way. It's 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 such a shame. And I'm so disappointed by that. Like, that's that's probably the most disappointing thing about this whole season. Um, you know, because I was just, I, you know, if you go back to like the first couple episodes, um, it's it's mostly Antonio us praising Antonio Conte, how much we love him, how great of a manager he is, and um, like I mean, if we were losing, that's one thing, but I think just the way his charisma has been and the way he's been acting, that that's another thing that that makes me like not like him, and it's you know. It wants me, like it makes me feel like I want him out. But you know, when you have a great manager like that, like it's 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 odd to like want want him out from your squad. But you know, he brought this upon himself um, with this with Come. with the, with this uh, this sense of negativity that he's been perpetuating this you know the past six plus months, whatever six months it's been. It feels like um, that's it, the thing. It's, just, it's, it's so it's... disappointing, man. If if he sits in a press conference like he has done time and time again and is constantly restating his same fucking thesis since the beginning of the goddamn season and he sits there and it says, well, the squad's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I've taken the team as far as it could go. Well, the personnel I have isn't good enough. What does that do to the psyche of the players? Oh, yeah. If you're a professional athlete and you're hearing your manager say that about you – what what goes through your mind? How do you expect your team to respond to that? It's different if you go out there and say, "Yep, so and so is having a rough patch, mm-hmm. but he's a phenomenal player, and I know he's gonna, and and I know one of these days his performances are gonna turn around." That's not what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's just saying that he's, he's shitting on exactly him. saying our personnel is not good enough to to win in in this league, and it's it, that yeah, it's, it's exactly, exactly what you said. He's pretty much shitting on him. And, um, and and that, and I feel like that contributes a lot to the reason it why it, it, our players. It has to. I I mean I mean you look at like the main culprits of criticism this season, and, and, and you look down the line, and you got guys like Bakayoko, you got guys like Victor Moses, you got guys like Alvaro Morata for large parts of the season, mm-hmm. maybe even Pedro, Gary Cahill, the board, <laughs> the whole entire board, but. You're looking at it in perspective and thinking to yourself, well, my manager is talking shit about me and I'm in a poor run of form. How the fuck am I supposed to turn it around? How can they turn it around? I've been vouching for guys like Bakioko and guys like Murata for the longest time, and you know that. And I'm still not going to go out there and say, "Oh, they're not good enough for Chelsea Football Club." Yeah, and you're and, and you're not even the manager <laughs> with the. Ma- if, yeah, no, I know. And if that's you were the big, manager, like, I mean, that, that that's more of a reason for to say something like that. And, you can't tell <laughs> how good or how bad a player is without a manager to put his arm around him and say, "Here, have a go, do your thing." Has he done that with Bakayoko? Has he really done that? Has he gone out there and said, "Yeah, 
you know, he Timmy's having a rough time lately, but I've seen him in training. He works hard. He's going to get out of it. Have you seen Conte do that this season? Have you seen him gone out and say, yep, Alvaro should ignore all the criticism. I think he's a fantastic player. He has not done that. And that's the fucking problem right from the beginning. You know who was really good at that? Even even if everybody could see right through his bullshit, Jose. Mm-hmm. I remember when Jose was manager, he went out and he said straight up, Eden Hazard is better than Lionel Messi. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was like, I wow, this guy is <laughs> so full of shit. But at the same time, do you think that that motivated Hazard? Oh, of course. I mean, when you have your manager up there comparing you to one of the best players in the world, I mean, how can it? Like, what what logical argument can you even make to think that it's not going to help your team? And what and on you know on the on the converse, what what logical argument can you make that you know Antonio Conte going out and talking you know negatively about his team? How is that not going to hurt everyone's form? I mean, it's it's. I think that's that's the most evident thing about this whole situation that um, his 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 negativity is definitely spreading towards the rest of the players, and it's hard to get behind him. Like he's he's definitely lost the locker room, and he, I mean that it's it's been it, he's lost it long ago, well long ago. But um, Zach, I mean, I, I'd love to, I'd love to continue venting about Antonio Conte, but we do have a game to continue to talk about. Um, you know, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I I don't think that we were all too bad in this match. I think that, I mean, at least in the first half, we we looked really good. Second half was, it it, it wasn't as terrible as I think that you might purport it to be. But I think this loss was due, um, you know, to, you know, this is a recurring theme, wasting chances and uh, defensive mistake after defensive mistake. Um, And, I mean, if you look, like, you know, at our our more, more recent big games, um, and I think this is something that we haven't talked about enough, but um, our defense has made way too many mistakes. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, I know that uh, last year, you know, we, ha- we had Gary Cahill and David Luis out there and they might have, you know, their flaws. Um, they may not be the best defenders, but they rarely made mistakes. That back three last year with uh, with Dave. Um, but this year we've seen so many different mistakes. So like, you know, just in the Spurs match, um, Victor Moses, I mean, I, I, it's, twice. I don't know how twice. it's, 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 it's very difficult for me to even like put him twice. in twice for, for me to, to categorize him. I, I know it's, it's hard for me to categorize him as a defender, but I mean, that's, that's the, the way he plays. He is technically a defender, um, you know, messing up on two goals, pretty much, um, you know that third that third goal was I I forget who had the ball um in in the box and just failed to failed to clear the ball. Um, you look at the second leg at the Barca match. Um, nobody tracking Messi down for that second goal and for that first goal going right in between uh Courtois' legs. Um, and uh the third one, Dave giving up the ball. Um, Man City, uh, another a mistake by Christensen. Um, you know, and Silva just punishing us. Uh, Barca, you know, remember that first leg with the Christensen, another misplaced pass. Um, I think that we haven't talked too much about our defense, but um, I think that they that a lot of our losses are due to just like mistakes by our defense that give away a goal. You know, and uh, you know it's been for us this whole season, but I think. This match in particular has to be probably the worst result we've had this season um, as far as the mistakes that our defense made. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, right? I, I think I think last year we were definitely prone to our defensive mistakes, but the difference between last year and this year is that last year we imposed ourselves on a lot of the matches that we played in. More often than not, we had possession. More often than not, we created more chances and we finished our chances. We were a lot more ruthless as opposed to this year where we failed to keep the ball for starters. And we, we are always under chance. pressure. We create it's the just, chances we don't finish them. <laughs> it, it's, it's this whole idea of negative football. It, it, just like our Man United performance. Why did we not go for it? Mm-hmm. I, I feel 
feel like any other manager in that situation would have smelled blood, but Conte didn't. And next thing you know, we concede and we lose that match. That's three points gone. The Burnley match. Another example, complete lapse, complete lapse of concentration, right? Yeah, we got red. That, that game was over from, right from the beginning. Yeah, born within Watford, back to back. No, no, no composure, no game management, no smart decision making, no awareness, nothing. And and for me, that goes all down to the mentality. Defending is mentality. And if we don't have the right mentality going going into matches, both going forward and defensively, I mean, obviously, obviously, we're going to concede more. Mm-hmm. And I and I just think it's a consequence of how shitty we're playing up top and how we're failing to impose ourselves on matches as a whole, which is causing us to concede more goals and 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 be under more pressure. Now, with this game, I completely agree with you. The first half, I don't think we played that. I I, I don't think we played bad at all i think defensively we had we had our errors but tottenham really didn't create anything going forward we created chances we probably could have put two or three in yeah we marcus, got our marcus alonso had a couple uh, good chances that he failed to convert he did he did and 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 let me just let me just say something our goal was it was almost a work of art it, it was a it was a great piece of play by Victor Moses, first of all, which was a great run. And probably a the great first cross, good cross he ever complimented yeah. him on. It's probably the first good cross he Hugo made all Lloris, season. <laughs> Hugo Lloris is is we all know is prone to making mistakes like that. He comes out, completely misses the ball. Maratha basically taps it into a corner with his forehead. Now, yeah, that's a great goal and all, but we could have gone into that half one nil up. And I remember sitting right next to Dan and thinking to myself, when Christensen took his first shot that fizzed right to Caballero's hands, Caballero did kind of make a mess of it, but mm-hmm. he, he wound up cleaning it up. I looked at Dan, and Dan looked at me, and I told him exactly this. I said, man, that is not the position that we want to see Erickson in again. The next time he gets a shot like that, he's scoring. And, and what exactly happened? what he did. What happened? That's exactly that's, what happened, right? That's the problem. Why is nobody closing him down in that situation? First of all, why are we sitting so deep against a Tottenham side like that? You're really you're really telling me that our back three is 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 worse than theirs than than their back four. I mean, they have Kieran Trippier, who was essentially a nobody up until last season, and they have Ben Davies, who, in my opinion, is still a backup right back. Mm-hmm. Why why are we sitting back? Why are we not attacking them? And, and and that's just what baffles me. But to be fair, like Spurs were good enough to beat us on yeah, the day. Yeah, let's let's, not... let's 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 switch the top of the focus a little bit and, and just talk a little bit about Tottenham. Because I mean, what do you think? Do you think that they're really good on the day, or like what 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 was the story with them? Yeah, I, I think they were good enough. But but like I, as I said earlier. They were in no way near top form or world class. It wasn't a masterclass performance where they where they completely dominated the game three one mm-hmm. Spurs. I don't think it, I don't think that was the case. Our performance was was pathetic in the second half, and we seemed to play pretty well in the first in terms of going forward. But there were ho- there there were ho- there were holes all over their defense, and, and and that's going back to my point initially is that why we couldn't stay aggressive and on top of them is absolutely beyond me. Um, but the second half was just this completely different story and how Dele Alli finds that much room for a clipped ball Oof. over the top is embarrassing that early into the half. Nobody decides to track him back and I, I don't know he how basically gets a tap in. The third goal was, um, that, that was the most irritating for me. Like that did it because I thought Caballero had a hell of a game. I thought he made some fantastic saves. He did. He's, he's and, probably, surprisingly, in a, in a 3-1 loss, he probably was our best player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and to be completely honest, I agree. Like, I thought he had a great game. And, you know, the, the save he made, I believe it was Sun who was in. But the save he made was ridiculous. 
And you cannot expect a goalie to parry a save from that close or from that angle. Mm -hmm. He saved it. The ball got spilled. And Somme, from where I was sitting, it seemed like a fucking eternity where the ball was just sitting there and nobody was touching it. I don't care if you have to kick the fucking hell out of your own players. You do that to get the ball out of the area. Your season's depending on it. Mm -hmm. Why we just sat there and watched for who was it? Was it Dele Alli who wound up poking it in? Yeah. Uncalled for. Absolutely uncalled for. And 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 from that moment on, the game was over. Mm-hmm. And the whole life of the stadium was completely sucked out. And it gave the green light to the Tottenham fans for them to start singing to us. It's, Your it's, team is shit. It's crazy because like I was watching the game with my dad. And he was like, is this – is this game like is Chelsea at home right now? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I don't know. It sounds like a Tottenham game. They're all, they're everyone's cheering so loud, and all the Tottenham fans are, you know, they're showing all Tottenham fans. I, I mean, that's 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 embarrassing. Um, but I mean, I, it, in in all in all honesty, they, you know, they they it was it was deserved. They we we were we were pathetic. Um, they took advantage of us, and we deserve to be humiliated by like that. Honestly. Um, yeah. Speed. Um. So let's talk a little bit about Eden Hazard because I think he struggled for most of the match. He didn't really get going until you know about like maybe sixty minutes in, and you know when he did start to get the ball more, you know Spurs scored two and basically put the game to bed. Um. You know the real story with Eden Hazard, he just not that he just didn't perform against the you know, against Tottenham, but the fact that he had you know both Barca legs the United match Man City and now and now Tottenham match where he just really didn't show up Zach what's going on with him I mean like it's we always talk about his mentality and and how he doesn't have that killer instinct and for me that's just a joke of an excuse right now a professional footballer of his pedigree has absolutely no business becoming basically invisible in big matches like this yeah everyone's prone to their off day and 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 that's football at its finest right i mean we've all experienced days where we're not at our best and that's fine but i struggle to find reasoning why his dip in form has been so drastic because the the only two logical things i could think of is one that his head might be somewhere else at the moment i mean if you're looking at it from his perspective the Champions League is basically gone next year. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. 100%. We coll- we collapsed against Barcelona and, and, and got eliminated from the Champions League this year. And we didn't even play in the Champions League last year. So he might be looking at it and said, damn, in the last three seasons, I really only had one shot at mm-hmm. the Champions League. And when we did have our shot, we completely imploded. So he might be looking at that and saying – Okay, maybe now's a good time to go. Why why would I bust my ass right now for this team, for these guys, for this manager? I hate to say it and I mean I really hate to say it, but like I why why else would he be playing so poorly? The, the only other logic is that he might be saving himself for the World Cup and I think I think he's I think he's smart enough to know that he's probably the first name on the team sheet for that squad, if not the second behind De Bruyne. Yeah. So he knows that he's going to be the talisman on that team. Maybe he doesn't want to get injured. Maybe he doesn't want to get himself too tired or too fatigued before then. But this whole business of us playing in big matches and him being constantly invisible over and over and over is completely unacceptable. And the – just the fact that Sun has more Premier League goals than Hazard this season tells you everything you need to know. I mean, I'm not shitting on Sun. I'm not saying he's a terrible footballer. I think he's. Mm-hmm. I think he has a certain level of class to his game. But, but it's not. He's not on the same level as Eden Hazard. Not he's even not close. Eden Hazard. He's not even and close, that, man. And that's what drives me crazy. If you really want to be considered a top three or a top five player in the world, you got to be banging in twenty to twenty five goals a season, bare minimum. Yeah, especially when you're drawing, when you, especially when you're drawing comparisons uh, to Messi and Ronaldo. You know, those guys are the top 
top players in the world. And, you know, I, I, in, a, in a way, I mean, the way that you put it, um, you, something you said really got me thinking, like, you know, he only had really had one chance to, you know, to be in Champions League. And I kind of feel bad for him, um, you know, because he came in, he came in in 2012, like right after we won Champions League. And, you know, we, we, we had a really good thing going on. And I think he expected to get a lot more from his time at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that he, he, his head in his head, he has a lot of regret in making that move. And I, I don't know if I can blame him for that because of, you know, the ups and downs, like, yes, we did win, you know, domestic cups, but I think that any real, you know, soccer player, they want, they want to win on a, you know, the European level and obviously international level, you know, in the world cup, but um, with your club, you want Champions League. That's your goal, and you know he's he spent his time uh, on Chelsea, watching teams like Real Madrid um, win Champions Leagues, teams like Barcelona winning them, and thinking like, man, did I make the wrong decision? And I think that it's really creeping up to him on this, you know, this season. Um, you know, again, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure what's going on with him. I think that's the most logical explanation. You know, maybe his, you know his head is somewhere else. Maybe we can put a little blame on Antonio Conte. You know, as manager, it's your job to get the best from out of best form out of your players. And um, you know, Playing maybe his false nine isn't doing that. Yeah, you know, maybe his lack of motivation to reform at his best. You know, it's partially Antonio Conte's fault. But you know, I have to say, this match, um, Eden Hazard wasn't nearly as frustrating as other players, you know, namely, namely Victor Moses and Murata. I, I understand that, you know, it may be a shock for me to ask that when in reality, you know, Victor Moses assisted Murata with the only goal of the day. But, you know, after that, it was, it was almost unbearable to watch. Uh, Zach, uh, who do you think was the most frustrating on Sunday? Victor Moses or Murata? Or I'll even throw in a third option, actually, since you brought it up, Antonio Conte. So... Ooh, this is a loaded one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I this will probably I'll, be the last part of this uh this section. I mean, I'll 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 start with Victor Moses. Yeah, you said it. He did assist him raw the goal. But besides that, what did he really offer? Zero defensive awareness. That's one. He was at fault for their first goal right before the half. Listen, that goal was one of the most single that was the most let me start that okay (laughs) that was the single most frustrating moment of our season so far you know why because that encapsulated our season Mm -hmm. something that could have been prevented something that we had multiple chances to reconcile and we didn't and and it's not like this. And it wasn't the first time he did that. Even in this game, he did the same thing. No, no, thing. no. That's exactly what I'm saying. There was a, that during that run of play, Victor Moses was trying to shield the ball out of bounds while Dele Alli was was trying to chase it down. Fair enough. Dele Alli somehow nicked the ball off Victor Moses. Victor Moses tried to play with it. Dele Alli nicked it off of him. Thank God Dele Alli lost it again. Ball falls back to Victor Moses. Instead of just clearing his fucking lines in the 45th minute, going to halftime up 1-0, get your defense rest, you know, uh, get your defense to push up the pitch, give him a little breather. What does he do? He tries a little fucking cheeky flick over the top. Gets knotted down. I I understand that the probability of that getting knotted down right into the path of Christian Eriksen is very unlikely. But it happened. And if you're Victor Moses, you got to know that. It is your responsibility to clear the lines, and he didn't. Instead of instead of just kicking it off of shit off his shins out of bounds for a throw in, or hoofing it up the pitch so his defense could rest for a second and, and and reorganize themselves, he tried to play out of the back, and he lost it again for the second time in fucking thirty seconds, and it caused us and and it cost us. They scored. Christian Eriksen had a it, wide open it, shot and it probably, from 30 yards and out. And it probably changed the game's you know, outcome completely. I mean, I don't completely know. Completely flipped the game I, on its I, head. I don't know if, if if Tottenham ends up winning this match if, if we go into the second half leading 1-0. Thinking from 
think when I was thinking about how we should manage the match when we were one nil up, I'm thinking, great. If we could get into the half one nil up, Pochettino's gonna have to throw on Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. All we gotta do is step on his ankle once, <laughs> and he's basically out of the game. Harry Kane's gonna be rusty. I knew he wasn't gonna perform. There's no way you come off like an injury like that and and come into a match of this magnitude and perform. And he really didn't when he came in. He was basically ineffective. So I'm thinking Harry Kane's going to come on. Pochettino's going to force his hand. Tottenham's going to open up. And we're going to be fine because they've been attacking us all match and haven't seemed to found a seam yet. And we've been attacking them on the counter and and have been creating chances. And, man, I think I, I honestly felt so disrespected when they put in Harry Kane with you know the 75th minute after being up 3-1. I, I I don't know why. Like I mean, you think that putting in Harry Kane, that's like you know they're in trouble. But I felt I that, I felt disrespected by that. <laughs> Look, so I I mean I guess going back to your question in terms of most frustrating. Mm-hmm. So like I talked about Victor Moses, that wasn't even the most frustrating part for me in this match. Mm-hmm. And 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 like I guess now like I, I I'm probably I I should probably just mention Antonio Conte, but his his attitude on the sideline was just unacceptable. If it didn't cost the club $9 million or whatever the number is rumored to be to sack him, he would have been gone already, and, and rightly so. I mean, there's absolutely zero tactical vision and motivation now. Like, none what-so-fucking-ever. So, specifically, I guess the biggest irritant in terms of Antonio Conte throughout all of Stamford Bridge on Sunday afternoon was the fact that he waited until we conceded three fucking goals to make a change. And he didn't even do it right away. No, he waited till the 80th minute. <laughs> Ten, like, for no, manager, 80, nine minutes left in the match. It just For a manager of his quality and, and a manager of his stature and his pedigree, <sighs> for, for someone like that to fail this miserably in, in terms of making the right changes is probably the question of the fucking century for me, dude. Like... So frustrating. The system was a disaster from the off. Fabregas should never be playing in a pivot. We've been saying that since last season. Since last season. He didn't bother to change it once once our midfield started getting overran. And then when he started when he started making changes, he just threw players on for the sake of throwing them on. He brought on Giroud and took off Moses. He did a like for like with Marcus Alonso, right? Mm-hmm. And who was the third switch? Callum Hudson-Odoi. Callum Hudson-Odoi comes into the match. Don't get me wrong. I love to see youngsters get a run out, and I think Adoy has a lot of upside. I am not bashing him whatsoever. But for you to throw on a youngster with zero experience at the senior level, seven minutes left no, in a he match. He actually got subbed, in, he got subbed in the 88th minute. It was like two minutes 88th left. 88th minute. Yeah, two minutes Whatever left. Whatever it is. But, but, but see, that's the thing. There, where's the hope? Where's that desire? Where is it? Tottenham put two goals past us in the span of five minutes. Who are we to say that we can't put a goal in before the 90th? Had Antonio Conte made a more reasonable substitution at the time, possibly Pedro, we could have nicked the goal before the 90th, got another one in extra time. Now we walk away with a result. Now we're not completely out of it. But instead, he throws in the fucking towel, and it made me sick. It really made me sick. But believe it or not, mm-hmm. that still wasn't the most frustrating. So Murata was the most most frustrating. Dude, yes, <laughs> yeah, he he scored the only goal, and, and 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 we keep mentioning that because I have to remind people that yeah, he did score the goal even though he played like complete shit. But if I asked you what else he did for us on the afternoon besides score the goal, what would you say? Did he hold the ball up? No. Did he link up play? No, Did he create chances? Did he run the channels? Did he stay on his feet? Did he press? Did he contribute in any way defensively? Watching on television song and watching a match in person – are two completely different things. And if you're from the UK and you're listening to this podcast, 
you're probably thinking, oh my god, like, really? He's just realizing this? Well, actually, yeah, because the MLS is basically shit right now. And I have never been... I've never been to a European football match, let alone a match in England before. Mm-hmm. So realizing this, taking this into consideration, I would have never imagined that he could frustrate me more in person than he does on TV. But guess what? He did it. The reason why I'm titling him as the quote unquote biggest loser of the day is because he had one job to do, win the fans over. That's all he had to do in this match. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to say, oh, all he needed to do was score. He's a striker. He needs to put goals in the back of the net. No. I think Diego Costa proved that. I think Diego Costa proved that a striker is not only valuable because he scores. I think he proved that a striker is valuable because he could contribute defensively. He could hold the ball up. He could bring his teammates in. He could occupy a center back. He could create spaces in between the lines to run into. Morata did absolutely none of that. Fuck the manager at this point. From Morata's point of view, he doesn't have to impress Antonio Conte because he's gone. It's not a secret. The players know that. But he should be concerned about the fact that the fans are on him at that very moment. Because he was really the only questionable um, um, or or... Let me rephrase that. He was the, that was he was playing in the only position that fans genuinely had no idea what Conte was going to do with going into the match. I mean, that was a big question, Morata or Giroud. And if it was Morata, he had to show out. He had to prove himself. Yeah, he got his goal. But that's it. He didn't do anything else. If you're going to be at a club like Chelsea and you want to aspire to be the best player in your position, you got to do more. He has a mental toughness of a child, some. His lack of desire in person and his body language is disgusting. It makes me sick. Uh, he sits there, rolling on the floor, complaining to referees, gets up slowly, and then he starts walking while the whole run of play is going on right in front of his fucking face. You cannot tell me that he's physically incapable of holding up the ball or pressing. He's a big dude played at fucking Real Madrid for crying out loud. He has the technical ability. You can't tell me he's not in shape. Why doesn't he do anything else? It, it just it confuses me. Now, I know all the haters are going to go and be like, "Oh, well, if you go look at his if you go look at his match rating, he was rated a 7 point whatever." I don't <laughs> give a fuck because if you look at the stats, he had a 57% pass success rate, which is abysmal. But Zach, yeah, but Zach, you scored two games in a row. I don't Come care. On. I don't give a fuck. I don't. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> Davinson Sanchez is an inexperienced center back. Yeah, he's a solid center back, but he should not have Alvaro Morata in his pocket in his, at in his Stamford pocket. Bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. at Stamford Bridge in the biggest match of the season. It's simply not good enough. It's just not good enough at all. For everybody that's going to go against me and say, oh, well, he scored for two matches on a trot, just like you said. And for people that are going to be like, oh, look at his rating. Look, he scored a goal. What else did he do? That's the question I have for you. If you if you saw something that he did that I didn't see while I was at the fucking match, then tell me, please. Like, I, I'm open to any and all criticism. Does, does he show the, the same desire of a player who wants to be the best? Does he show any perseverance, mental toughness, willingness to help the team in any other way besides a fucking header once every nine matches? No, he doesn't. So that's why I pick him as the most frustrating player on the roster, because in person, it was appalling. Absolutely appalling. And for those listeners that aren't American, keep in mind that I watched a U.S. national team not qualify for the World Cup, and this performance... (laughs) by some of the players on the pitch on Sunday was very reminiscent of the Trinidad match. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say worse because I don't think there was anything worse than than that match. But reminiscent, yeah, I definitely drew some some parallels between that. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm, you know, the beginning of the podcast, you welcomed me to the um, losing hope in Chelsea side. I'd like to welcome you on the losing hope in Murata side, Zach. 
because I've been on this train for a long time. Um, and I'm so worried about what, just, I mean, Zach, if you just look at all of our transfers this summer, I mean, this whole, this year, it, it was, it was a bad year, Zach. And he's, he's the, he's the, you know, the cover page of our book of awful transfers this, uh, this year. Well, actually, um, actually, uh, it would be, uh, it would probably be a cover page of Murata and Bakioko together, with Danny Drinkwater on the side and and uh, and Montage Zappa, and Montage Zappa in the background. Costa in the background. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> it's a joke, and, and Ross Barkley on a fucking stretcher, <laughs> right? Like yeah. th- th- this is our season. This is who we brought in to replace Diego Costa, to oh, replace man. Nemanja Matic, to replace John Terry, to replace. Chaloba. Nathaniel Chaloba. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't replace a player like Nathaniel Chaloba, not a <laughs> knock on him, I rate him. Trust me, I rate him. And that was arguably one of the most frustrating transfers of all time from my point of view. If was you it? can't it was, it was find a replacement for him for $40 million? For $40 million. You can't find a replacement Dude. for Nathaniel Chaloba for $40 million. Five? Get the fuck out of here. Five million, right? That was the transfer fee that we got for him. With no five, fucking buyback clause. Five million, and then you spend forty million dollars. I mean, forty million pounds on Danny Drinkwater, dude. <laughs> I can just, I can't do anything but laugh. No, 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 no. Here, here, here's a, here's a funny thing, Sam. Yeah. We spent forty million. Funny. We spent forty million on 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 Bakioko, right? right? Yeah, Initially. Yeah. And we're like, wait, okay, we need another player who's just as good as Bakioko. Let's get Danny Drinkwater. Just as good, right? Yeah. Because that, that was a forty. That was a forty million as well, right? Am I am I mistaken or not? forty million pounds? Someone like Danny Drinkwater. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's 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 go into the next topic, uh, Zach. You you your first time in England, first mm-hmm. time at Stamford Bridge. I want to talk about your experience there. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. What 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 was the best part of your trip? Uh, there was a lot of good times. I'm sure a lot of definitely, bad times. Yeah, definitely not not Sunday night. That's uh, that's definitely not the best part of your trip. So I was there about a week, and uh, I was there with my girlfriend and. More than half the time, or I want to say at least four out of the seven nights we were there, I don't remember crawling into bed. I just remember waking up extremely hungover. So yeah, so uh, you you guys can uh, fit the pieces together. What that means? <laughs> with that, with that being said, on on Saturday at the Atlas Pub, um, we met with the London is Blue team and the uh the the Chelsea fan cast guys. Um, London is Blue was was doing their, I, I guess now it's biannual trip to uh, Stamford Bridge, and they brought over a bunch of uh, a bunch of their listeners, a bunch of friends um, from their podcast, and they did a live show with the Chelsea fan cast. Um, so I went, I attended, and it was just great to finally meet everybody in person for the first time. Um, Wait, so they did a live fan cast, and they didn't even ask you to be a part of it? What the hell? No, no, they didn't. But that's that's disrespect. You, you know, you know why they didn't? Because they're smart. <laughs> because we're actually shit at podcasting. But um, but but with that being said, um, come on, man. I I just want to put it out there that you know a lot of people get this common misconception of oh well you're an American Chelsea podcast and London is Blues an American Chelsea podcast. You guys are competition, like you. What are you doing? Yeah, dude, I hate those guys. Let, let me let me just go out there and say <laughs> that those guys have been more supportive of our podcast <laughs> than we have. Yeah. Right? Um, they're 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 honestly the most humble dudes. So it's it's Brandon, Nick, and Dan. Um, all, all three of them, awesome guys. Shared beers with them. Um, had had some good banter both over football and over life in general genuinely good people who want to see our podcast as well as any other Chelsea podcast out there grow. And it was just really nice to see that, um, that they weren't 
looking at me as competition. They weren't looking at me as someone that was trying to copy them. They were just looking at me as a passionate fan just like them who wanted to get their voice heard and wanted to get content out there for other fans to enjoy. So that's what I have to say about London is Blue. Now, I also met up with the FanCast guys. And let me just say, I know a lot of our listeners listen to the FanCast as well, but I met with Stanford Chidge, David Chidge. I met with Jonathan Kidd. Um, I briefly spoke with Mark Worrell. Um, I met Tim Rolls, Dan Silver, obviously, who I'm mm-hmm. who I'm pretty close with now. Every single one of those guys is just an absolute delight, right? They're all the coolest people ever. Specifically, uh, Stanford Chidge, who's a fucking drunken maniac (laughs) but he's also um one of the most humble and pleasant people to be around um i I don't think he understands how big of a deal he is he really is like (laughs) and i told him that and i actually told him that you know part of the reason why i wanted to do a podcast was because like i started listening to you Mm -hmm. four or five years ago whenever it was and you know, he was really taken aback by that and he was like, holy shit, like that's that's cool. And I actually got him smashed um, and I got smashed as well in the process on Saturday night. And it was me, Chidge, uh, my girlfriend and this Swedish guy named Frederick who I don't know if he rolled with the London is Blue guys or whatnot, but he said he was going to listen to my podcast. So here's your shout out, Frederick. But What's up, Frederick? Anyways, How are you doing, bro? We had we had some really good banter and, and and just talking about normal everyday life stuff and 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 Chidge gave me the best advice for my podcast and and his advice was this: you better bug the fucking shit out of me to to help you spread your platform using my platform Ooh. basically. So he we said put it, we put it on the open. It, we did put it in the right open right now. So and, and, and listen, and, and, and this is just what I want to get across is that. You know, like these guys aren't competition in any sense. Like they are supportive, one hundred and ten percent. So yeah, they're no Stanford competition Ch- because we we already know we're better than them, right? Is that what you're saying? We are not even close. But, <laughs> and listen, so and and I can't even drink half as much as Chidge. Like I I honestly <laughs> went there thinking to myself, like, damn, I could hold my alcohol for an American, damn, but for a fucking Englishman, Jesus, that guy could drink. Let so me tell you. Not only is he a, a better podcaster than you, but he's actually more of a man than you are as well. That's that's pretty crazy. Oh man, shots fired. <laughs> that hurt. But so uh, um, really quick though, yeah. I I also got I also got the opportunity to hang out with Jonathan Kidd. Um, what a what a fucking gentleman. Mm-hmm. Besides having like that super velvety voice, he is probably the nicest human being I've ever met in my life. And I'm not just saying that just to say that. Like he is – he's a joy. Like he's a really, really genuinely good person along with all those other guys. If I missed you, if I saw you this weekend and I'm not shouting you out right now, I apologize. But there was honestly so many of you. Yeah, and blame um, the alcohol too. I blame probably, that probably blame, inhibited your memory a yep, little bit. Blame <laughs> it on the alcohol, right? But uh, yeah, I mean anyways, it was it, it was awesome. It was incredible and and you know I know that – I know you weren't there with with me this time, Sam, but I know that if if you ever returned to London eventually, um, and when I return to London eventually, yeah, we're going I mean, together. We, we're going to go soon. We we have people that are definitely um, going to support us, and we have people that we could share a beer with, and 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 that's uh-huh. great to know. So uh, before the match, you you, you toured the bridge, and, I, and I, I've I've done the same one when I visited. Uh, you know, so now that we both saw it in person, what was that oh shit moment? Oh, this is an, such an easy one. So I did a private tour, and it was just me and my girlfriend and our tour guide named Dave. Um, Dave walked us down to the tunnels, um, and he said, "Why don't you go walk up those steps right when the liquidator starts?" And if it, it, mm-hmm. I don't know if they did this when you toured the bridge, but the liquidator is basically on repeat like all all day uh-huh. and uh i waited for the liquidator to start over and and i actually walked out of the tunnel and when that moment like when you walk out even though the stadium was empty. completely <laughs> empty and there was maybe like 25 japanese tourists to my left 
Um, and you know, you just look at the stadium, you see, you see the shed, you see the West stand, you see the Matthew Harding and you just think to yourself, like, this is it. This is, this is what they feel like every single week. And then it makes you depressed because then you realize, well, how the fuck do we suck this much? If every Saturday afternoon you walk out and you see this full of fans chanting your name. So, I mean, that was the coolest part. Yeah, I mean, if that's not a selling point to, you know, the top players to come over to play for Chelsea, I don't know what is. Um, yeah. For me, for me, when I visited, I visited in the summer of 2012. So that was right after we won uh, we won the Champions League. So for me, it had to be the, the, the trophy room, uh, you know, the cabinet. Uh, just that that looking at that trophy fresh after that win was, you know, something else. That was really awesome. Um, that was definitely my oh shit moment. Um, so uh, last question about your trip. When, you know, watching the game live, who who impressed you the most? When you know watching this team in person, Ingolo, that that that's an easy one. Yeah, I kind of expected I, that. Too. I remember, I remember about like maybe five or six minutes into the match, I turned to Dan and I was just like, I think Ingolo Conte is the best player I've ever seen in person, and Dan is and, and Dan is just like, he's a fucking machine, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He is unbelievable. Like I know we talk about it on TV. Or, or, or we, we see it on TV and we talk about it on our podcast before where we say like, you know, he has a motor and he just never stops running. Sam, when you watch it in person, I, there was a period of the game where I followed him around for maybe 30 to 45 seconds. He went from touchline to touchline in that span and did not stop running. He was absolutely unbelievable in person. And when you really, when you see him in person, you also get a sense for how small he actually is. Because I was looking at him, not exactly at eye level, but not at the same angle as when you watch it on TV. And you just like he, this guy is defying all the odds. Like, what a beautiful man. So uh, that's that's really like the only way I could describe him. He's a beautiful man. He's just a beautiful man. Like God bless him. He's uh, I I hope he doesn't fuck off to another club. Like like he won't. He won't. I know he, he won't, won't. He won't. But um, oh man, so what a player. You you alluded to this earlier. Um, unfortunately, um, look, look, I just wanted to say something quickly about Ray Wilkins. So you know, this past Friday we received some terrible news that um, you know former former Chelsea player and assistant manager Ray Wilkins he was in critical condition uh, before he tragically passed away this morning at the age of sixty one. Um, you know, me and Zach here at the Romans Empire Pod, we'd like to offer our, you know, our deepest and most sincere condolences to Ray's family and uh, his close friends as they endure this the loss of a man whose legacy will live on throughout the footballing world for a very long time now. Uh, I know, uh, me and Zach, we, we we're too young to remember Ray as a player, definitely. Um, however, we have an incredible amount of respect for this man, uh, what he's done for Chelsea FC. Um, sticking with the squad even during relegation times um, and you know as well as just the beautiful game itself simply from you know the outpouring of respect and love from former teammates players friends and uh, his family as well so you know we keep his loved ones in our thoughts and prayers and you know we hope we find, that they find peace in this dark time um, so that was beautiful thank you let me let, let me let me let me just add on to that um I spoke with uh, I spoke briefly um, with Jonathan Kidd about Ray Wilkins, and uh, and and that's someone that's basically seen it all. And 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 he mentioned to me that, you know, he was really the first marquee captain. I don't, huh? don't want to say top class, but he was the first top top footballer to kind of break the trend and uh, and and make the move to Chelsea and. And, and he kind of set that standard of excellence um, from the time he stepped foot on Chelsea and, and, and the first time he ever put on one of Chelsea's jerseys. So, um, you know, just – I mean we're, we're talking about not just a normal Chelsea player or a former Chelsea player. We're talking about somebody who was the beginning of something special and and, and, and had a large, large part to do with – where Chelsea is um, in terms of legacy today. So 
uh, again, like we we offer our deepest condolences, and yeah. it's unfortunate, and 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 you know, as a club, um, I I just I I know this is a very dark time. Yeah, and his his impact is definitely still felt on the club today. Um, so, you know that that that's a uh, that's enough I think for the somber moments. Um, let's move on to this uh, Chelsea West Ham preview. Um, you know we're about we're we're an hour in right now, so I don't know if we we're gonna make this too long of a section. But um, Sunday, I really don't want to though. <laughs> I I don't want to think about our next match. <laughs> I mean. This is it's a London der- derby, so you know, it right now West Ham sitting fourth in the Premier League table. Um, their last five, two wins, three losses, and you know, last time we played them, we actually lost. Uh, Fucking Arnautovic. Yeah, one nil earlier in the season. Um, so Zach, just uh, you want to just give us a, you want to give me a quick prediction on this match? Do I have to? Oh, Zach, just just tell us how much we're going to lose by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is where we're at. Um, so, yeah, okay. well, how much we're going to lose by? That's that. Instead of what's your prediction, I'm just going to say how much we're going to lose by. I mean, I mean, this is a London derby, right? Yeah. And uh, this is historically the type of match where we would thrive. But as of late, this this isn't um, not a typical year. <laughs> no, no, this isn't a typical year by any stretch. So, I mean, in London derbies this season, I did a little bit of research. Our record is three, two, and five. Really? Um, oh I'm not reading it backwards. Uh, we Are only won serious? three of our London derbies. Uh, um, and yeah, only one of them was against a respectable opponent in Tottenham. And then I think the other one, we beat Crystal Palace once, and we beat Watford early on in the season. And those are the only London derbies we won. So that's pathetic. And uh, right now, the state of the team is pathetic. Mm-hmm. So for me to try and predict this match I mean, on uh, the heels of the uh, most devastating loss of the season. How is it possible? I mean, if you look at this team week after week, how is it even possible for us to make any sort of prediction about any any match you know, going forward? That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, you can't. So if I was a – let me just put it this way, okay? Mm-hmm. If I was a betting man, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't like the bet I'd place. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Wow, Zach. I think you might have just saved the podcast. Um, cause <laughs> I'm, I'm going to predict a 1-0 loss. Um, I mean <laughs> – if a, again, not even really a prediction, just me kind of wallowing in my sorrows and not really expecting anything to come out of this of the rest of the season. But I, I mean, let's let's just hope we finish at least in fifth place. Like the last thing I want is for a team like Arsenal to surpass us in the table, and for us not even to make Europa League next year. Like that's that would be that would be one I of the worst outcomes. I couldn't give a fuck about Europa League right now, to be completely honest. Exactly, <laughs> and I just want to finish this off this podcast by saying, we for this, it's a hundred percent a fact that this team next season is not going to look anything like the team we have right now. It's not going to look mm-hmm. anything like the team we're going to have a different manager. We're going to have maybe four or five different players in our starting eleven, I think, um, and. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe having Champions League off and you know European competitions off might be a good thing for us. Let us focus on the, on the, you know, growing our team, the domestic cups, everything like that. But Zach, I think, I think that's it for this episode. I think we, 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 uh, we poured our hearts out into this. We, we became, we were as vulnerable as possible. And honestly, I just want to like go lie in bed and cuddle up with like my old teddy bear from when I was a kid just you know go find that so I can have some support <laughs> oh, yeah I completely agree <laughs> anyways this was a uh, depressing wow I know um, that was very I'm, sad very I, I monotone feel, I feel bad very... for our listeners I mean that if, if I'm sure you guys were already depressed before but I mean we didn't make it any better I'm sorry but the, yeah, 
But we're real on this podcast, man. We show our emotions. That's how we. That's how we are, man. <laughs> this is we real are, shit. This, this, this is. This like is really life. like. I'm this, legit depressed, man. This is this is this is my feelings. Zach, I, there's a there's a Tottenham fan in my first class on Monday, and I showed up late to class so that I wouldn't have to see him before class and have him talk to me. And like I packed my bag up before class ended, and I just dipped right as class ended because I did not want to hear him say anything about this match. Like that's I literally thought about this beforehand. Got to class late so I wouldn't have to talk to him about it. Like that's how. That's how it's affecting my life right now, Zach. <laughs> well, I'm not well, even kidding. Well, I did that. That that was the biggest win probably <laughs> of his lifetime. Because I'm assuming he's around the same age as us, so he could fuck off and buy whatever DVD he wants. Um, like Tottenham normally do when they beat Chelsea in the league, they make a fucking DVD out of it. But hey, they got they got to record all their accomplishments and that's you know that's pretty much the extent to their accomplishments listen it is what it is it happened let's move They're on still... Zach, to uh, another depressing week yeah <laughs> i guess that's a good way to end this podcast anyways um thank you to all the listeners um hopefully some new listeners after i branched out a little bit in london but um regardless you should add us we are on itunes soundcloud basically any third-party podcasting app that you use on your cell phone you will find us follow um, us on twitter as well yeah follow us on twitter and uh, dude, uh, the stay... interaction's been freaking awesome on twitter so yeah. like let's keep that going but also stay tuned for a future instagram account coming right zach Oh, now you're putting me. You're you're putting it out in public. Yeah. So, yeah. Now I I guess I guess now I have you, to do yeah, it now. Yeah, you kind of expected to do it now, but guys, yeah, keep keep shit. stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for the stay tuned for that Instagram account. Anyways, um, until next week, hopefully three points in the bag and one step closer to doubt it. <laughs> I don't want to say Euro, Europa League. Yeah. Um, keep the blue flag flying high.